Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by visiting imsaradio.com or search for IMSA radio wherever they get their podcasts. Live from Trackside, this is IMSA Radio. Well, hello everybody and welcome to what has been a very busy Saturday, Super Saturday here at America's National Park of Speed. It's Road America, the longest track of the season, 4.048 miles. And we are about to shatter any stillness that there might be. It's just before a quarter to four in the afternoon because it's time to unleash the lariest, loudest, fastest GT cars that we have this weekend. 10 cylinders apiece, normally aspirated. They look and sound great. It's time to go racing for the first time of asking this weekend as we unleash the bulls. Yep, it's Lamborghini time. It is Unican Super Trofeo race number one. Brian Till and Jeremy Shaw to take you through it. The Lamborghini Super Trofeo North America on IMSA Radio. On IMSA Radio. No better track to host Lamborghini Super Trofeo North America than Road America, the National Park of Speed. Four miles of brand new asphalt that is assured to bring us great racing today. Side-by-side action, expect to see it, and certainly incredibly high speeds. This is a magic place. Everyone wants to race here, and of course, everyone wants wants to win here like i said four miles 14 different corners where is road america exactly well it is just out of the village of elkhart lake wisconsin about an hour and a half north of milwaukee sits elkhart lake and road america they first raced on the streets here in the early 50s and then built this epic racetrack 14 corners great passing zones turn one turn five down into turn eight and canada corner all heavy braking zones and all with slightly different personalities. Your car has to work well around this racetrack, especially in right-hand corners because it is a predominantly right-hand racetrack. Cars headed on to the racetrack now. Four different classes in Lamborghini Super Trofeo. All the Lamborghini Huracan Super Trofeo Evo 2. Even though the drivers have different experience, they all drive the same cars. Welcome in, everyone. I'm Brian Till, along with sports car expert Jeremy Shaw. We'll have all the action for you. And Jeremy, expect to see plenty of it, especially on this freshly repaved Road America circuit. Oh, man. And we've seen super fast speeds this weekend, Brian. 36 cars. That equals the record number of cars starting a Lamborghini Super Trofeo race. Stacked field, really tight at the front. New lap record for Ryan Norman in qualifying with that Wayne Taylor racing with Andretti or this one entry that kind of 84. He will start from the pole position. But uh, the, look, there's so many stories up and down this field. I mean, starting with, let's say, uh, I don't think we've got time to go through the whole grid here with that many cars, but number 47, Mo Dadka. He's a, a kind of a local personality here in the Chicago area. He's from the Chicago area, but uh, done, has done a lot of racing here at Road America. He's had nothing but problems in 
this weekend so far. They had a broken axle in the second session yesterday. They had a brake issue during qualifying, which was earlier this morning. So he's going to start dead last in, in car number 47. He's going to be fun to watch. In the LB Cup, we talked about the four different categories of drivers, pros, pro-ams, ams, and LB Cup for the least experienced drivers. There's five pros, 12 pro-ams, nine ams and 10 in the lb cup and on pole position in the lb cup is fred roberts from toronto canada for nte sport uh, and uh, this is his second time he's qualified on the pole in the lb cup and he's going to start 23rd in that car uh, a lot farther forward is the best of the am cars a tremendous run by glenn mcgee in qualifying this morning in car number 69 for precision performance motorsports he will start in the seventh position overall and Glenn has just literally got out of his uh, MX-5 Cup car, which he was c competing in just a few moments ago, hopped straight into this car, and uh, hopefully made it in time to, to take up his, his grid position. So let's, let's run down the top 10 that's there on the grid. Alex Prema will start 10th in car number 70. He's in the Pro-Am class. A pro, James Walker, in car number 77 on the inside of row 5. Row 4, John Capestrio de Betts, who is the championship leader in Pro-Am, uh, in kind of a 46 for precision performance mode sports. His teammate, Glenn McGee, will start seventh, the best of the AM cars. Uh, two pro-AM entries are on row three of the grid. That's Billy Johnson, economy 96 for TR3 racing. And that car was also crashed in qualifying by his teammate, Todd Coleman, but it has been repaired and I think is in position to start the race. Alongside him is a pole sitter in pro-AM. Pro -am. That's Andy Lee in number 14 for Flying Lizard Motorsports. Top four positions, well, they're all pros. For TR3 racing, it's number 88, Gianna Torino in the fourth position. Championship leader, Carl Marcelli, in car number one for Wayne Taylor Racing with Andrea Motorsport will start third. Tremendous effort by Nico Jamin in car number 30 for Anson Motorsports to qualify second. Last time he was here, by the way, was in USF 2000 open wheel car back in 2011, so that was a while ago. Uh, and, uh, and Ryan Norman uh, is on the pole position in car number 84. So it's a, it's a fun grid, and we've seen some really fast times this weekend, Brian. And as you watch those Lamborghini Huracans on the racetrack, you can tell the different classes based upon the color there in the upper right corner of the windscreen or on the back of the car. That kind of orange or bronze chiclet means the pro category, so you'll know instantly who those are. The blue is LB Cup. Green is in the AM category, and yellow is in the Pro-AM category, so you can get an idea, even though all the cars look exactly the same, look for that little triangle in the right upper section of the windscreen or the little chiclet on the back bumper. That'll give you an idea of what class they're in. Lined up on the front straightaway, and they line up based upon qualifying. They don't mix classes, so it's just whoever was quickest lines up that way, and you look at the entry here, absolutely Stunning. Look at this. Look at the Lamborghinis up the front straightaway, waiting for the green flag. Column formation. It's got to be held until across the line. Waiting, 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 waiting. Ryan Norman in that black and orange up front alongside Tom Marcelli. And that's a problem right there already. You see cars moving before the start finish line. And I think that's going to be an issue. Ryan Norman where he needed to be. And I think Nico Jamin outside the front row slid over behind Norman before they ever got to the line, Jeremy. 
Uh, it certainly looked that way. I mean, the officials will look at it. That's one thing in IMSA. You're not allowed to move out of your column lane until you cross start-finish line. And he was kind of goaded into doing that by the pole sitter, who just got a great jump away from that, from that rolling start. Uh, and Nico, you know, he's not done many IMSA races in the past, so he, he could be kind of forgiven for that, perhaps. But look, uh, a driver, it's up to the driver <laughs> to know the rules of the series he's competing in. And Nico's been in a lot of different series in a lot of different countries all around around the world so he should have been familiar with that and yeah he's going to be lucky if he doesn't get a penalty i'm sure he'll say i'm sorry but i, I don't think he'll be completely forgiven no but perhaps we'll have he, to see what he, todd snyder the race director has to say i well, understand it, maybe he'll take him to see consider on this evening and perhaps he'll be uh, <laughs> able to get away with it <laughs> exactly up front though ryan norman leads the field here on lap one out of turn eight big jump over Jameen just behind in the number 30. Then the bright red Kyle Marcelli. Marcelli leads the championship with his teammate Danny Fromall, and they have been absolutely spectacular this year to the point, Jeremy. They are undefeated in yeah. four races. They are indeed. Uh, four, four wins in four races. First two of the season at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca, then at Watkins Glen International at the end of June. Uh, and, yeah, four, four poles. They've had uh, two pole positions. Uh, the... One of the polls at Watkins Glen was decided by practice times after qualifying was stopped early due to an incident. But the only other pole sitter this season overall is Gianno Torino in that uh, very distinctive green if you look at it from the right side, red if you look at it from the left side, Lamborghini currently running in third position. Oh, in the 20 off coming through turn 13. That has to be a moment there. Takes your breath away, I'm sure, if you're behind the wheel. As you saw that car, Shion Chandra Soma behind the wheel, exiting turn 13. The car just goes wide and it bounds across the grass. Yeah, that was a uh, that was an exciting moment for that, another very distinctive car, that gold-wrapped car. And uh, it, it's uh, changed teams oh. for this weekend. You got way wide on the exit of turn 13. It's been a common theme this weekend. Uh, what we've also seen is cars running wide there and then looping across the track and hitting the wall on drivers left there. So hats off there to Shien Chandrasoma for not doing that. Uh, he ran across the grass, lost a few positions, but nothing worse than that. And Shien Chandrasoma switching this weekend in that uh, car number 20 to a, a, to a different team this weekend. He's running with TPC Racing, which is making its debut for this year in the championship. A welcome return for that TPC team. And having won the AM Championship himself last year, he's sharing the car this weekend with Bryson Liu, his first start of the season, uh, and he was is the reigning Pro-AM champion. Well, and I'm not sure that the 20 seems to be healthy after that off. Obviously, you're going to get some debris on the tires, but for Chandra Soma, all the way down to turn three, seemed to be fighting for grip, and the stability in that Lamborghini was not there for him, and a, now a problem for the 64. Not exactly sure where that is. It looks like it may be off of turn seven, but looks like he's made contact with the wall. Driver's left. It's between six and seven, so that's going to be at the exit of turn six. The car loops wow. back to driver's left before turn seven, and the contact doesn't seem to be too significant significant for Tom Tate, but the 13 obviously 
also involved, Jeremy. Yeah, well, it's a different part of the racetrack. That's the turn eight, isn't it? I think at the bottom of the bottom yeah, of that, that, of that hill, eight. so a couple of corners later. And Ophir Levy, in that kind of a 13, he's one of the top contenders in the LB Cup category, qualified in the third position, uh, but very, very close behind the two ahead of him, which is Fred Roberts and his own teammate, Mark Wilgus. Uh, and he won the most recent race at Watkins Glen. So, uh, Tom Tate. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, for Tom Tate at the exit of turn six, Jeremy, it looks like he probably has the traction control turned down a fair amount and just loses the back end. What happens down in turn eight for Afir Levy? Boom, the 11. I'm not sure if the 11 gets into the side of the 13 or if the 13 doesn't turn down on the 11. I have to look at it again to get a little better picture. Anyway, you look at it. That's cut down the left rear tire for Afir Levy. That Hankook tire down. He, this is going to be a long, long way around to pit lane. Yeah, it is very, very frustrating oh. for Ophir. Whoops. Yeah. Frustrating That's... to the point that kind of outdrove that flat tire and yeah. now has looped the car in between the carousel and the kink. And, and you talked about number 20 car struggling. That's the car that ran off the road. He exited turn th 13 on the first lap. That car was just uh, pulled into the pit lane, by the way. But Ophir Levy, what a good job he's done, I think, to get that car out of harm's way. But Yeah, um, so he's out hasn't. of the way. Tom Tom Tate still stranded there in between six and seven and the 20 of Chandra Soma on pit lane. And we'll go full course caution here at Road America and Lamborghini Super Trofeo. This is the fifth race of the season, third weekend of the season for LB Cup competitor Afir Levy not going the way he wanted it to early on. Contact with the 11 has cut down that rear tire. Yeah. So there he is. He's trying to get out of the way and stay to driver's right. And I think what happens, Jeremy, gets there on the grass and just kind of loses control of the car a little bit. He's going to pull the car to driver's right. And when it gets over there, the combination of the grass on the right, no grip on that left rear tire, upsets the balance, so to speak, of that Lamborghini. Around he goes. And then right in front of him, he sees that cut. And you know what? He's going to say, discretion's the better part of valor. I think I'm going to park. Yeah, heads up uh, driving by Ophir there. Shame for him, though. He's uh, he's had a really good season. He's driving really well right now. He's uh, gaining a lot of experience from that team. He's Patrick Liddy uh, is his uh, driver coach, works with that Forte Racing by powered by US Racetronics team and is a very accomplished driver in his own right. And Ophir Levy, having won the most recent race at Watkins Glen, qualified, uh, I think, well, third for this race, and he qualified second for the, the the second race the weekend, which will take place tomorrow morning. So he's shown really, really good pace this weekend. He'll be disappointed to uh, to end his race early. Yeah, just bad luck. And you look at kind of the season for Levy, and it's been that way at uh, WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. Had a podium finish in round one and then a dismal race number two. Struggled at Watkins Glen in the first race. But a good podium finish, or a win, I should say, in the final one, like you said. Taking a look at it, the class leaders as they run right now throughout. Ryan Norman leads in pro. Billy Johnson in pro-am, sharing that car with Todd Coleman in am. It's McGee who leads there. And then you go back to LB Cup. Roberts leading there aboard the number 89. Four different classes. And, Jeremy, we talk about this a lot. Really, the only thing that separates these classes is the driver's experience level and effectively their speed. And as they get better and better, they move up. I mean, basically, this is one of the few series in the world where you can run with people that you aspire to be as good as in the exact same equipment, but you don't have to race with them head-to-head -head because you're in your own class. Yeah, it is really cool. I mean, you know, the, the, the breadth of experience of drivers in this field 
is immense. You know, from from guys who've literally done one or two races. Uh, one of one of the one of the drivers this weekend, uh, Kion Tandon, he's going to be sharing the number forty-two car, currently running in eleventh position, with uh, sharing the car with Luke Berkeley. This time last year, Kion, this was his first ever car race. Period. He'd done a fair bit of karting as a youth and done some sim racing, what have you, but his first ever car race was in the Lamborghini Huracan Super Trofeo here at Road America, of all places, one of the most daunting tracks, uh, not only in North America, but literally the world. So that was a, a baptism of fire for young Kjorn, but uh, he's, uh, he's progressed really quickly. He actually did a really good job that first weekend. He was fast right off the bat, uh, and uh, he's going to well, be a then, contender. And you compare his experience with someone like Sebastian Saavedra or... You, you look at a Billy Johnson, who was a platinum-rated Ford driver in GT Le Mans aboard the Ford GT. So you think about the opposite ends of the spectrum like that. Johannes Van Overbeck, other people with tremendous experience winning some of the great endurance sports car races in the world, driving Indy cars, you name it, they've done it. And you get to race with them, like you said. It may be your first car race ever, but that's who you're on the racetrack with. And that's yeah. what Lamborghini Super Trofeo offers to the teams and competitors alike. It gives a team, I think, another great opportunity to fill the seats of cars in different classes. And then that LB Cup competitor that you have on your team may have a, a pro combination driver uh, pairing in front of them that they can look at the data with and use as coaches and be better, faster race car drivers because they're racing on the same team with pros that have done it for years. Absolutely right. I mean, look, it was only three or four years ago that Ashton Harrison was was starting out as a rookie in the LB Cup Series here. She's done a little bit of racing before, but not much. And and, and yet this weekend, she's going to be driving in the the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship event in a, in a in a in an Acura with the, with the same team that she ran with here in Lamborghini Super Trofeo. So it just offers great opportunities for drivers to progress in every single way. And you know, Ashton now is you know a very accomplished driver indeed, and and but she's worked super hard to get there. And th there's a, there's a lot more youngsters now in the field in the Lamborghini Super Trofeo than ever was the case before. There's there's I think it's four drivers or maybe five that haven't even yet turned 20. Uh, there's a 17-year-old in Jake Walker, who again coincidentally made his debut right here at Road America last year. He's now running in the pro class, having started out as an AM. Now running in pro, and not only that, but after the first race of this season, he was tabbed by Lamborghini to be part of their young driver program. And then at the opposite end of the spectrum, someone like Fred Roberts in that kind of 89, who's leading in the LB Cup category. You know, he's been around the sport, driving all sorts of different cars over the years. He spent a lot of time driving Vipers. I guess he must like V10 powered cars, huh, Brian? <laughs> well, there you go. And like you said, leading in LB Cup. And for Fred Roberts, he's been on podium every race this year in LB Cup. So he's having a good run here, trying to find the victory. He's been second, he's been third. He has not won a race yet this year. Perhaps Road America is his opportunity. Well, that's his plan. And he, he's, he's got his first pole position of the of the season this weekend. He drives for the NTE Sports team. Uh, and uh, as you say, that consistency, uh, two wins, two seconds, keeps him within Within 14 points, make that 13, with the, he gets a point for pole position for today's race. So he's, he's very much in touch with the, the class leader, Mark Wilgus, who's uh, right behind him on the racetrack in car number 50 for the uh, Forte Racing powered by US Racetronics team. Three wins, one pole position already this year for Mark. So it's he who leads the points, but this is 
a good ground being made by Fred Roberts. He's already got the one pole point for the pole, and he wants to convert that into his first win of the season. Yeah, you said it. I mean, for Wilgus, he's won three of the four races so far this finishes this year, and his worst finish is second. So he's been remarkably consistent. Speaking of consistent, Jeremy, that's the other great thing about Lamborghini Super Trofeo. They announced their schedule this weekend for 2024, and it's been one of the foundations of this series since its inception, and that is a, a consistency not only in the schedule going to great racetracks, but also a consistency in the rule set, the format of the events, the car, and the rules packages from a technical standpoint, and it allows the investment that's made in this machinery to be amortized over several years. You look at the season for next year, the schedule, it starts at Sebring. For Lamborghini, they haven't been back to Sebring since 2016, I believe it was, 2015 actually. Then to WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca, where they have been. Watkins Glen, where they've been. They've been at Coda in recent years. And then in Indianapolis, which will be new to the IMSA WeatherTech Championship this year and for Lamborghini next year. The really great thing about the schedule for next year for Lamborghini Super Trofeo in North America is four of those five events, they'll run at races where the new Lamborghini LMDH prototype will run. So you look at it, they're making their debut in that LMDH prototype for Lamborghini at Sebring. It will not be at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca because they're only doing their endurance races. It will be at Watkins Glen. It will be at Circuit of the Americas with WEC. And then it'll be at Indianapolis for the six hour. So you're going to have a lot of Lamborghini to cheer on next year if you're a Lamborghini fan, both in Lamborghini Super Trofeo and in IMSA WeatherTech. And if you want to head down to Texas for Coda for the WEC race, you'll see it there. Yeah, it, I mean, there's no coincidence there. I mean, Lamborghini, uh, the uh, series manager there, Chris Ward, he's worked really hard to get this schedule so that that there is a lot of Lamborghini interest. I mean, there's a huge amount of interest in that new GTP car that'll make its debut, hopefully at Sebring next year. That hasn't been confirmed. It's very unlikely to be at Daytona, but the, the plan, uh, I believe, at the moment is to make that car its debut at Sebring, where the Super Trail will be as well. And with the whole hospitality setup that Lamborghini has these days, they entertain a lot of guests, a lot of customers, uh, and potential customers. And you know, they're, they are, it's, they're just tremendous events all the way around. And next year's schedule, I think there's a lot of excitement. And look, we're having record-sized fields this year. Look at all these cars. You know, we're coming up for the start. There are 36 cars lined up. Uh, coming up the hill towards the, uh, the, the, the start line was absolutely fantastic. It's so cool to see. Brian Till, Jeremy Shaw with you. It is round number five of the 2023 season for Lamborghini Super Trofeo North America. Third weekend, so every weekend where they race, five weekends here in North America, it is a double header. So this is the first of two here at Road America this weekend. Lights stay on on the Lamborghini Huracan safety car. So we'll do one more lap around this four-mile masterpiece. And, Jeremy, I don't think there are any better race fans than what you find here at Road America as well. We travel all over the country, and everybody that's a sports car fan, it's always great to see whether we're at Petit Le Mans, WeatherTech Raceway, you name it, the sports car fans come out in droves. But here at Road America, it's always a special group. Oh, isn't it just? I mean, it's a beautiful part of the world. 
uh, the, the, the Kettle Moraine country here in, in Wisconsin, which is about an hour or so north of Milwaukee, a couple of hours only from Chicago. And uh, the fan turnout here is always great this weekend particularly you know with the with the, there's so much excitement i think about this racetrack at the moment i mean the, the owners here that the ownership group i should say have, have put so much into the track it's a it's a not not-for-profit organization here that runs road america uh, and there's a lot of shareholders and everything is plowed back to improve the facility and the improvements over the years have just been fantastic so much uh, different to what it was let's say 15 years or so ago or 30 years ago when I first started coming here, and you know, people have been coming here since you know the mid 50s when the track was 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 first laid out. And it's it's a great venue, and this new repave there was a massive project over the winter, uh, and it just looks glorious right now. The the, the, the racetrack is in great shape, uh, and a lot of excitement about this new surface, and particularly about these huge fields of cars that uh, provides as as a part of the IMSA weekends. Well, I remember when they first staked out this land to build the track. You were no, there, I were you? I don't really remember that, Jeremy. Oh, I'm not that old. But, I mean, you look at it, and it's it, this is the age old. The more things change, the more they stay the same. And, and what I mean by that is when I first came to this racetrack back in the late 80s, it was the same facility, right? Yeah. It was the same acreage, the same layout. Everything was the same. But the reinvestment, as you said, the planning that – has gone into it and the planning that exists for the future is stunning lights yeah. out on the safety car will go green this time by but you talk about the repaving which was a monumental project but what about the timing and and media building and the hospitality that's there the the restrooms that have been yeah. added and updated and upgraded the concession stands the viewing area when i first came here the tire wall was about five feet off the left edge of the road all the way yeah. through the carousel and all the way to the kink. And now you've got the ability to get all the way around the outside of the racetrack, the carousel, the kink, all down through the inside to view the racetrack, all the viewing areas, all the hospitality areas that are there. The racetrack is the same. The facility yeah. is the same. But it has changed immensely. And they've done but so the magic is still the same. Absolutely, it is. And the, the character of the circuit hasn't really changed. Driving it has with this new repave. There's, there's certainly a fair bit more grip when you're on the line, but it's a brand new surface, so it's not been kind of fully rubbered in yet. It's going to get better with age, as, as every track does. And then it kind of overstays its welcome, so to speak. And as the track wears out, it becomes harder work for the tyres. But I think right now it's... Yeah, it's still early in the, after this repave, but they've done oh, a yeah. fabulous job. And they put so much work into making sure that the character of the, of the circuit has changed. And the transitions between the new surface and the curbs, for example, uh, as close to being exactly the same as they were before as is humanly possible. But now, look, uh, lights are out. The safety car is pulling away. Oh, we're wow. going to go back to green. <laughs> Ryan Norman just matted it right about the turn-in for turn 14. And he is gone. He is checked out. Nico, you mean just behind. And then Gianno Torino in that red, yeah. white, and green, number 88, seeing if he can use any of the draft off of that number 30 in front of him. No, nothing doing right now. So Norman in the black and orange, number 84, leads through turn one. They dart down the hill. And Torino aboard the 88, looking, looking, mm -hmm. looking. And for Jameen, do you really want to block and slow your exit off of this corner here 
because it just sets you up as more of a target down in turn five. And the benefactor from all of that may be Kyle Marcelli in the bright red number one, fourth in the order as they head down to the breaking zone for turn five. Yeah, John Torino in that red, white, and green car, just 19 years old originally from Johannesburg, South Africa, lives now in Florida. A really talented young man. And look, he made that pass. He got past Kyle Marcelli uh, on lap three of this race just before we went to full course caution. And now he's really putting the pressure on Nico Jamin for that second position as well. So he's on the charge. But Ryan Norman, wow, having got his first pole position in the series this year, he's new to the series this year, done an awful lot of racing, all sorts of different cars in the past, as has Nico Jamin in that number 30 car. In fact, they both did uh, quite a lot of Indy Lights over here, both of those two. Uh, um, but uh, Gianna Torino is hanging right with them. Pit window is now open for Lamborghini Super Trofeo, and there is always a mandatory pit stop here in the Lamborghini Super Trofeo North America Series 50-minute race. The window opens 20 minutes in, closes with 20 minutes to go, so you've got 10 minutes to make that mandatory pit stop. And you've noticed already, I'm sure, that some of the driver pairings are a bit different. Some of these teams elect to run two drivers, some with only a single driver, and that makes the mandatory pit stop time a little bit different. There is a minimum time you can spend on pit road for two driver combinations, Jeremy, this weekend it's 99 seconds. For one driver pairings, it's 102 seconds. So you've got to sit still, or you've got to be on pit road, I should say, not sit still for three seconds longer if you're a one driver pairing. Why? Why? Because if you're if you're a single driver in this race, you know exactly how the track is, how the car is performing, how the tires are balanced, and the car is balanced aerodynamically. Uh, when you come into the pits, it'll be pretty much the same when you go out again. You, the tires will lose a bit of, little bit of temperature, but nothing more than that. So you can get right back in the groove again. But for somebody who hops into the car halfway through the race, he'll have got some information over the radio, perhaps, from his co-driver saying, you know, the car's good or it's doing this or you know, whatever. But it's not the same as driving it yourself. So it's gonna, certainly going to take you a few corners at least, at best, to learn what you really need to know about these cars to push it to the very limit. That is why the single driver cars have to make a slightly longer pit stop. Three seconds has been determined as the as the right amount. I tell you what, it seems to work really well. There's a contact though from behind for Gianna Torino. How did he come under pressure there from Billy Johnson? Now Torino slipping back a little bit. He's now, oh, and problems down. Where, I'm not exactly, I think that's turn five for the 89 see on that close-up but starting to get a little rough and tumble out on the racetrack right now it's Fred Roberts aboard the 89 and man 10 car that was Graham Doyle he had presented himself Jeremy I'm not sure if Fred Roberts didn't see him but as he closed the door there was really nowhere in my mind for the Graham Doyle to go they make contact and around Roberts goes yeah uh, so uh yeah, that's uh, not good. The youngster there, Graham Duell, and Fred Roberts had been leading in the LB Cup. So uh, just 17 years of age as Graham Duell doesn't uh, has basically no experience at all uh, coming into this weekend. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he didn't need to be doing that. Incident involving cars 96 and 88 is under review. Uh, that's the incident we saw up at what, turn six, wasn't it, where Ch Torino got... To, uh, put sideways there by Billy Johnson. I think the stewards are going to be busy during this race, Brian. Uh, but a couple, a couple yeah. of the leading contenders did come into the pits, including car number one, 
uh, Carl Marcelli, the championship leader, he ducked out of fourth position to hand over that number one car to da Danny Formal from Costa Rica, who will uh, do the, the closing 26 minutes remaining now of this race. Fred Roberts on the pit road as well. And really that call by the number one team to come in and do that driver change when you're kind of mired in traffic and you're back in the order a couple of cars, it's really not a bad idea, right? It's hard to pass around this racetrack. If you feel like you might be faster on the racetrack, come and get your pit stop done and see if you might be able to leapfrog them on a pit stop. You have a better one than they do. We not change tires. We're not change, We're not putting fuel in the cars here in Lamborghini Super Trofeo, but still you can have a problem on a pit stop. So see if you can just go ahead and get this out of your way. Maybe you'll have a little better clear sailing on the racetrack when you get back out and you might be able to pick that position up that you can't pick up in battling by coming to the pit road and man, it is getting rough and tumble out on the racetrack right now. Another incident up in turn six, cars off the racetrack. Yeah, so the stewards are going to be busy, I think. They have all sorts of replays they can look at in race control. And uh, they've got uh, quite a bit under there uh, to look at at the moment. There's another uh, note come up on the screen. Incident involving cars 10 and 89 under review. So uh, they've got a, a, a basically... In, in soccer terminology, VAR, video assistant referee, if you like, who will go over that oh. information. And yeah, certainly looked like Billy Johnson got in the back there of John Atrino going up the hill under braking for turn uh, six, sent that number 88 car sideways, lost them, cost him a couple of positions, uh, having uh, really yeah, been charging I, hard. And I think that that's probably a pretty easy call, although Ooh. interesting. Well, yeah, car 96 penalty. Incident responsibility with the 88 warning. Now, they may look at that and say, it's a warning. We're not going to bring him to pit lane. It wasn't a battle for position within class, even though an order changed. And perhaps Gianno Torino, they think, might bear a little bit of responsibility by how he placed the car. I don't know, but any way you look at it, both cars continued. No change of positions in class, so a warning for the 96 of Billy Johnson is Gianno Torino on pit road now. He is indeed, and uh, having lost a few positions there as a, as a result, I think Billy's lucky to get away with that. I mean, if there hadn't been, if he, if the number 88 car hadn't lost any positions, then that's that's fair enough. But he won't be very happy, I don't think, uh, Torino when he gets hops out of this car. Lucas Peterson, from uh, well, he'd been based and, and born in the UAE, uh, United Arab Emirates, but uh, has Swedish nationality. He's going to hop into this car. Uh, and incidentally, this car to, for tomorrow's race will start right at the back because Lucas Peterson, when he went out for his qualifying run, there were two different sessions to set the grids for the two races, split by only five minutes, each session 15 minutes long. And whichever driver uh, qualifies the, in, in the first session, assuming that if the two driver cars, they will switch drivers for the second qualifying period and he will start race two. Lucas Peterson didn't get a good lap in in qualifying and the session oh, was stopped wow. early because of an incident that uh, uh, Todd Coleman he spun off at turn five so he didn't get a representative lap time he'll have to start last tomorrow so Lucas Peterson is going to have a lot of work to do but now he's also got some work to do because they, they lost a bit of ground with that incident out on track for his co-driver Gianno Torino interesting Ryan Norman now on pit lane so the lead is going to kind of cycle through a little bit as you see the 96 of Billy Johnson working his way forward. Johnson will hand that car over to Todd Coleman. 
They're back in Lamborghini Super Trofeo. They've not run the first couple of races of the season. We did see them last year, so they're learning their way back. And I see some smoke. Oh, and now big smoke out of the front end of the 46 because he has made big contact wow. with the concrete here at Road America. And this is going to bring out full course caution. Yeah. And this is something that you don't see very often at all. And that is that 46 car with the problems. That's JCD, John Capestro de Betts behind the wheel. Big impact, and mistakes are not something that is common on the part of John Capestro de Betts. So you've got to wonder if there was another car or several other cars involved as they were working their way through traffic. This is at the exit of Canada Corner before you ever even get to the turn in for turn 13. So I've got to believe traffic was involved in this incident. Yeah, I mean, he was running in third position, was uh, Capestro de Betts. He was dicing. Uh, with Andy Lee uh, in the both in the Pro-Am class. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see what happens. It's the exit of, of Canada Corner there, turn 12, going up, heading up the hill. Carried a lot of speed through Canada Corner these days, but that's a pretty heavy impact for John Capestro de Betts and really disappointing. Uh, his his co-driver, John uh, Tom Capizzi, he had an incident, well, only two or 300 yards farther up the track around the corner at turn 13 yesterday. And uh, as a result of that, they... Didn't, they, they lost quite a bit of time in one of the sessions. So it's been a busy weekend for that Precision Performance Motorsports team. The car was repaired and qualified well by JCD, but not where he normally qualifies. He started in the eighth position, uh, was running in, in third with other people having already made a pit stop during this race. But that's the guy that uh, qualified over on the overall pole position in that number 46 car a little bit earlier this season at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. So he's super fast. And that's a, a really, really shame to see that car out of the race so early. That's also, of course, the championship leader in Pro-Am. Came into this weekend with a 10-point lead over uh, Kjorn Tanden, who is driving car number 42 in the uh, Pro-Am classes. So it's going to give him a good opportunity to... Uh, well, make up a lot of ground in the championship. and but Well, it would have been, except for the fact that was the car, number 20 car that was in uh, the pits early. Excuse me, no, that was number 42, wasn't it, that, that uh, Tandon is driving. Chandra Soma is running third in the class in the points, but that car, that's car number 20, that he has had a problem and is already, I think, out of this race. So a few people did uh, nip into the pits while this, uh, when this caution period... Well, as the caution was coming out, the first two, however, did not. Billy Johnson, Andy Lee, first three. Uh, Billy Johnson, Andy Lee and Mark Miller, I think they must have been past the pit entrance already when the uh, caution initially came out. So they were unable to make their stops. So the next three cars are on a racetrack. Number 70, 69 and 9. 70 cars running in Pro-Am. 69 and 9 are both Am-class contenders. They... Uh, did come into the pits, but those are the only ones who did. So for those guys who haven't yet made a pit stop, that's going to be a problem because you can't make a pit stop under the full course caution. Uh, and um, the pits have now been closed. The question is, did the number 70, 69 and 9 get into the pits before they were officially closed? And we'll have to wait for race con con control to confirm that. Meanwhile. Under full course caution at Road America, Lamborghini Super Trofeo, round number five of the 2023 season. And under full course caution because of an incident involving the number 46. 
Pro-Am entry. John Capestro DeBet shares that entry with Tom Capizzi. They are actually the leaders in the Pro-Am championship. Um, have won three of four races. Really, only some bad luck at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca was the only blot on their record up until this point. But this is big impact at after really it's after the exit of turn 12 Jeremy I mean you will have tracked the car out and you're preparing to bend the car back around to get ready for the entry to turn 13 and as you had said he was running in traffic with some other competitors so you got to feel like um, this was not an incident on his own so we'll have to wait and see if we have some replays of that and the field is going to have to cycle through once we get back to green, they'll reopen the pit window and the cars that have not stopped yet will stop. And then hopefully we'll get back to green flag racing. So the order as it sits, when you look through, what do you see as far as pit stops, Jeremy? I mean, up front, are we solid? How do you mean by solid? They, they haven't stopped uh, the top. Yeah, they haven't yeah, stopped. The, That's what yeah, I mean. The, I don't think they've, yeah, no, the top three I mean, have not. This is all very much played into the hands of car number one. Uh, because uh, Danny Formal uh, has come out of the pits ahead of Ryan Norman, who led the uh, led the early stages, uh, and Ryan Norman came in to the to make his pit stop after nine laps, uh, and uh, the number one car had been in a couple of laps prior to that. It was one of the first cars to make a pit stop on lap seven, and uh, Carl Marcelli handed the car over to Danny Formal, who after that set the fastest lap of the race to meet six point two three two for four mile and with the longer pit stop that number 84 car has to has to has to make three seconds longer than the number one because ryan norman is driving solo in this race for the reasons we talked about a little while ago that uh, those two factors combined have meant that number one is back in the effective lead of this race he's, he's quite a long way back down the road but uh, having made the pit stop he's still in the same lap as the, uh, as the Roval leaders who have yet to make their mandatory pit stop. So the, the, the question for me is, the, the cars that came in right as the caution came out, 70, 69 and 9, did they serve their, their full pit stop or, or did they drive through the pits? And I, I didn't see, and, I, I, and I, unfortunately I don't have any timing of the, the pit stop time to know whether or not uh, they have met that minimum it could be uh, and this is conjecture I'm afraid, because i don't have the information to hand that they as they came into the pits they realized that the caution was out and the pits had been closed they might have just driven through and not made their mandatory stop but again i don't know that for sure but whatever the, whatever is the case certainly the top three on the racetrack 96 14 and 41 they have not yet made a pit stop. We'll need to do so after we go back to green. So they are going to fall all the way back down the, the field when they make their pit stops. So the guys who have made their pit stops already are in really, really good shape. So the field behind the safety car here at Road America, Lamborghini Super Trofeo. This is race number one of the weekend here at Road America. Always double headers for Lamborghini Super Trofeo. This is round number three of the season, weekend number three. That makes it race number five. As they continue to work to clean up the accident scene in between turns 12 and turn 13. The good news is John Capestro de Betts is out of his number 46. 
Safety team getting him into an emergency vehicle, and they will take him to the infield medical center. Such great safety team work here. The AMR safety team, the safety team here at Road America, all working together to make sure that anytime there's any kind of an incident on the racetrack, they are at the scene as quickly as they can possibly be, and the drivers are attended to in the most professional way possible, always safety paramount for both the driver and the safety workers that are there, which is why a lot of times when you look at the safety car leading the field around and you think, well, how hard can that be to drive it? Because they're not going very fast. Jeremy, there's a lot to it, right? There's a lot of radio communication to the driver of that safety car. They need to know exactly where the incident scene is. They're speeding up, slowing down to try to keep the pace of the field at a pace good enough to keep temperature and pressure in the tires, maybe some brake temperature, but also to lead that group through incident scenes on the proper side of the racetrack where they should be to control the pace. Like we see here as they head to turn seven, emergency vehicles on the racetrack, the driver of that safety car knows where all of that is. He's in radio communication with race control. So this is not a Sunday drive for whoever's behind the wheel of the safety car. No, that's right. And you know, communication is, is massively important in this series and, and not, not, not just amongst the teams. You're right. You know, the, the, uh, the information will go to the safety car driver, what speed to do, uh, when to pull in. And uh, it, it's, a, uh, it's a cool ride out there, I would imagine, certainly. And look, particularly this huge field of cars behind it. But unfortunately, we've seen the safety car too much during this race. We feared there might be some some incidents because we've seen incidents in just about every session for every series this weekend uh, but it certainly split up this race and, and particularly insofar as you know the, the, the drivers not yet made a pit stop they're going to be massively handicapped when we go back to green and uh, the guys the driver that's in the cat but in the in the the catbird seat at the moment is Danny Formali he's currently running in seventh position in car number one as the championship leader and the pro uh, defending class champion but uh, he's ahead of Ryan Norman in car number 84 uh, Sebastian Saavedra has taken over from Nico Jumin in the third what will be the third place car when the other cars ahead of them come into the pits uh, and then behind him is Lucas Peterson who's taken over from Gianno Torino so even though Torino had that half spin um, and I think was slowed down on that lap he, he's still come into the pits in a, in a good position he'll be fourth I think once we get back to green flag racing and the other guys come in the pits. Now, right behind them are the 247 motorsports cars coming with 55, which is Joel Miller, who's a huge amount of experience in all sorts of different cars. And talking about factory drivers, he was a factory Mazda driver in the prototypes for many years. And at the opposite end of the spectrum, 17-year-old Jake Walker in car number 77, right behind him. So it's the six pro cars uh, are nose to tail when, when we go back to green. Well, there's the graphic that shows what you've been talking about as far as pit stops go. Billy Johnson, Andy Lee, Mark Miller, the top three on the racetrack have not pitted. And the more the clock counts down before we go back to green, Jeremy, as you said, the less time they have to not just get their pit stop done. They'll come in and they'll do their mandatory pit stop, the time that they need to serve on pit lane and all of that. But they just don't have time to get back in the fight. That's the problem. No, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, it, it's 
we, we talked about the, the minimum pit stop time, the, the time from when they enter the pit lane to when they exit the pit lane, so that doesn't include what the, the, the entire stop. You know, the, the, you also lose time slowing down to come into the pits and getting back up to speed afterwards. So, you know, they're going to fall uh, the better part of a lap down when they make their pit stop. So, in order to get have any chance of getting back into contention in their in their respective classes. They're really going to probably need a f another full course caution in the closing stages, but we've only got 10 minutes to go now in any case. So if we had another caution, I think that would probably end the race. So, yeah, it's not good news for the prime cars. And we, you talked about the window being open from, from 20 minutes into the race to 30 minutes into the race. So, i.e. 20 minutes from the end is when the pit stop window closes. Well, those cars haven't met that, uh, that uh, metric. So that's going to be a penalty as well because they had the opportunity to come into the pits before that they just elected not to do so uh, and uh, they, they, they are therefore going to be pitting outside of that window and that will be a penalty even of itself even if it isn't going to be a penalty already for, for uh, coming in and losing all that track position we talk about championships as we came into road america danny from all kyle marcelli we said undefeated in the pro category and as you have pointed out jeremy with the pit stops that need to be served and as things will cycle through Danny from all Kyle Marcelli looking really good again because even though they're seventh on the racetrack they're still leading the pro category and I'm not sure where in traffic Ryan Norman is in the 84 when we go back to green whether he'll be able to mount a charge or he'll have to work his way past other cars in order to get to the number one who's right behind the number one well no Yes. It is Ryan Norman. So yeah. he's going to have a shot when we go back to green. Danny yeah. Formal is going to have to work. He wants to maintain the perfect record that they have in the Pro-Am category. Things are going to change this weekend. Our, our thoughts are certainly with John Capestro de Betts after his incident there in between turns 12 and 13. He and Tom Capizzi led the championship coming in, three victories on the season. But obviously not going to be a good points day at all for that duo and so that's going to change the complexion there david staub led in the am category as we came in to the weekend and looking on the, the screen right now Staub back in fourth and he was only three points in front of anthony mcintosh and glenn mcgee so you've got possibilities of championship changing there and significant damage you can see to the front end of that lamborghini huracan super trofeo evo 2 that John Capestro de Betts was piloting. And in LB Cup, Mark Wilgus won the first three races of the season. And really of the three championships, he's the only driver that really is sitting in a pretty good place. Greg Doyle in front of him right now on the racetrack, but Doyle well behind him in the championship. And Wilgus looks like he may continue to stretch out his lead over at least some of the competitors in LB Cup as the lights are out on the Lamborghini Huracan safety car. Yeah, they are indeed. So we're going to go back to green. It'll be about a little bit less than seven minutes, six and a half minutes remaining, perhaps, uh, in this race. It's going to be a shootout to, to the end. I'm sure we'll see the number 96, 14, and 41 all ducking into the pits pretty quickly here to to, to make their driver changes. But the, all those pro contenders are all in a line there behind the pro-am, four pro-am cars and a couple of am cars. Then it's all six pros all together as a green flag comes out. And here's what's important, that red flashing light on the right side of the racetrack 
as they came out of 14. It's telling you the pit lane is closed. Pit window will not reopen until everybody goes past the start finish line and they can reopen it once everyone is passed. And so they've got to complete a lap before they can come back around and take advantage of what is left in the pit window. So Billy Johnson hammer down, trying to get back around as quickly as he can. The more distance he can put it between himself and fellow competitors, the less time he'll lose to them when he gets back out on the racetrack, but not going to be a lot of time left as the pit window is now reopened. Yeah, and I think uh, Danny Formal and Ryan Norman were able to jump past uh, a couple of slower cars at restart. There's all sorts of lap traffic in the, in the mix here in the, in the overall reckoning. So it's, uh, it's a little bit confusing at this stage in the race. Uh, but as you say, the pits uh, won't be open until everybody has gone past start-finish line. So they will be in next time around to, to, uh, to, to make their driver changes. Uh, Billy Johnson then still leads the field in kind of a 96. That's the car that was damaged this morning. And uh, the uh, bright pink, number 14 of Andy Lee running in second position. A little bit farther back there is... Uh, Mark Miller, who's third in Pro-Am, also behind him is Mark Wilgus in kind of a 50, who is a lap down to the leaders, but is still running in second position in LB Cup. The, the only driver in LB Cup that had not been lapped, and that's only because those three leaders right now had not yet made their pit stop, is car number 10, Graham Doyle, who therefore leads in LB Cup. And really what we're looking for, Jeremy, is that bright red number one, Danny Formal behind the wheel, Ryan Norman in the black and orange 84 just behind him. We know the top three cars on the racetrack right now are going to head to pit lane. They have to. They need to get their pit stop done as time is running out. Pit window has reopened. Expect to see them. There's Billy Johnson. Expect to see the 14 as well. Third place car, the 41, Mark Miller. They all head to pit lane as they should. Now everybody else that's on the racetrack is kind of out there for position, but we even do have some lapped cars between Logan in the 70 and the number one of Danny Formal. Those should go away pretty quickly, but you're looking for the bright red number one, probably about eight or nine cars back. Here they come. This is really the battle for the lead right here, the bright red number one, Danny Formal, a block there on Norman to the inside, down into turn one. This is going to be the battle for the lead. When it all shakes out, Norman, obviously a really good car underneath him. And you got to wonder what the officials are going to say about that defensive driving that you see Danny Formal doing right now aboard the number one. Yeah, and he, he kind of parked uh, the uh, the uh, Ryan Norman, his teammate. They, remember, these are teammates for Wayne Taylor Racing with Andretti Autosport. But uh, it, it doesn't look like the way they, where they were driving there because uh, it wasn't a... It wasn't a uh, a reactive move by car number one, Danny Formal. That's the only saving grace. So who's a spinner in the middle of the racetrack? Car number 17, that's Tiger Tari, who's running in a third position, or was running in third position in LB Cup. Oh. He's going to lose that. Jeepers, that scary moment down there. But uh, it wasn't a reactive move. As soon as he came out of turn one, Danny Formal moved directly to the inside of the racetrack. So that's okay. The question is then, did he move a across to the outside to sort of hinder Ryan Norman some more. I don't think he did. I think he could get away with that, but it's certainly pretty close. There's another spin. This is, this is AJ, Muss, AJ Muss. Yeah, who's taken over from Lane Vicala, who started that car. Like I think he problem. just stalled it as he'll try to get it restarted. And once again, here we go. 
The bright red number one through the kink. Danny from all trying to keep Ryan Norman behind him. He's got traffic in front. This is slower traffic. They run in front of him on the racetrack, but these cars are a lap down or about to go a lap down. So from all, it's got to be forceful to get his way through because he knows that behind him, Ryan Norman has been very aggressive and Norman right there and from all having a hard time through turn 13 trying to get around this traffic in front up on the curb looks to the inside going into 14 is this going to slow him down down the front straight away though Ryan Norman right there he's going to have to be defensive again Jeremy he is indeed yeah I'm not, I'm not quite sure who that car uh, was the, the white car there who was See it, does it flash past me, to be honest, uh, who, who it was. But he certainly wasn't making life easy for the overall oh. race leader. Look at that. Is it too deep? Save. It is too deep. Danny Vermal, does he save it? He saves it. Does he stay in front of Ryan Norman? <laughs> I mean, they both crashed there, didn't they, at Tobar? But didn't he They anything? did. Goodness gracious me. That was, uh, that was an exciting move by both of them. A really late lunge under braking for uh, Danny Vermal. But luckily for him, Ryan Norman did exactly the same thing. Wow. I knew that when he went to the inside that the radius was going to tighten up there and one. He needed it to be going slower, but he couldn't be slower because he was trying to get the pass done. Looks deep inside the 34. Will he get it done here? Norman comes with him. Yeah, so they finally Through turn five, up the hill to turn six. Two to go, Jeremy. Oh, wow. This is so exciting. It'll be, uh, it'll be, yeah, it'll be the white flag next time around. Uh, AJ Mustard's car is still stuck there next to turn six. And... Um, that incident also uh, is uh, under review. Inconclusive is the call there. Here's number 88 car down the inside of the 89. That is uh, for position on the racetrack. It's actually not even that because number 89 car is a lap down. But uh, boy, there's a lot going on in, in this motor race. But certainly uh, having made that pass past that traffic, Danny Formile now has got a little bit of breathing space over that number 84 car. Here's another look at that replay coming into turn one. Looking for Mall. He was going to tuck behind the car and then realize, hey, I don't think I'm going to be able to do that without hitting him. Goes to the inside, and then he's like, well, I can't slow down for the corner. But the only good news is, Jeremy, Ryan Norman couldn't either. No, that's right. He was in too deep himself uh, and ran a little bit wide. If he just kind of tucked in behind those two lapped cars, one of them, I think, was, was Mark Wilgus, wasn't it? And uh, I'm not sure who the other one was, to be honest, but it was really, really tight out there and uh, they've, they've got three it'll, it'll be oh, wait a minute. are we going to get checkered flag or white flag there's Looking two seconds to go on the clock no it's a white flag white they, flag. they took it with oh and an incident the clock was at the exit out. of 13. Oh, no. that was your pro-am leader in the number 70 with the issue there yeah jay he logan behind the wheel and the 34 with a problem as well the 48 involved it's David Staub in the 48, so had AM competitors, pro-AM competitors, and that's the problem with that yellow, that lengthy yellow. It mixes the field all up together, and as you run down the clock, you, got, you find yourself in battles with other drivers in classes that don't matter to use. <laughs> Tell you what, I'm glad uh, oh, the checkered flag is now being waved. Why? Well, being told now that the checkered was, wasn't was out, but time had expired. Yes, and that's well, what matters, Jeremy. Yeah, it, it, I thought it was close, and uh, I thought they were going to let it go and let us have another lap of racing, which would have been really good fun. But no, the, the time, 
had it, yeah. but I, no. I'm, I mean, I'm right on the start-finish line here. I can see it. Well, uh, and, and as they went across the, the line, problem. I thought, wait a minute. You know this racetrack well. The, these drivers, the leader, are down in the bottom in radio communication at Road America, even with repeaters and all of that, it's hard to get. And if I'm Danny Formal, you're going to have to tell me 15 different times <laughs> that the race is actually yeah. over and it's okay to slow down. Because yeah. otherwise, there's no way I'm going to do it. And don't be surprised if he crosses the start-finish line one more time. Yeah, just to be sure. Because, I mean, he hasn't seen physically the checkered flag himself. So no. he's doing absolutely the right thing here. Cover all his bases. He hasn't been shown the checkered flag, and that signifies the end of the race. He, all he saw was a white flag. So he's doing absolutely the right thing here. And, uh, yeah, we'll see, see whether, he, whether he goes across. To see, well, there's other guys still racing out there as well. These yeah, I was going to say, I think a lot of the teams are, don't know. They haven't looked at the message on the bottom of the timing screen that says checkered flag so it is out the race is over according to what we're being told time was out when they got to the line so the flag you don't have to see the checkered flag you can go past it and then the officials can call it yeah. just like they did if it is very very close and as you called it jeremy i'll bet you it was less than a second yeah they're about a second or two Probably it, it was certainly pretty close. And I was thinking, oh, come on, come on, come on, let's get, let's have one more lap of this because it's really good fun. That was that was quite a contest between Danny Formal and Ryan Norman, and and uh, Ryan will be disappointed not not to get one last opportunity to have a run at Danny Formal there. But it was a really exciting race, uh, and uh, yeah, we were kind of robbed of another lap there by just yeah, Nat's whisker. But a great job by Danny Formal to keep that uh, record. Uh, alive for this season, still unbeaten now in five races, so will extend their lead. Good job there by Lucas Peterson to come home in third position in car number 88. He was able to to stay ahead of, uh, or actually pass, uh, Sebastian Saavedra, a former IndyCar driver, uh, after the green flag at the restart. So he comes away with, with a podium finish in car number 88. And a good run for the number 10 of Greg Doyle. He's your winner in LB Cup. And there's plenty of excitement there on that final lap. Take a look at what happened to the 70 car. That was Jay Logan in Pro-Am. So up out of Canada corner, coming into turn 13. And I don't know if he doesn't. He's trying to get inside the 48, and the 48 turns down. They make contact. They both go around. So... One of those things, it's like I was saying, Jeremy, you really kind of have to understand where you are and who's around you, who you're racing with, because you don't want to get tangled up with someone who's not in your class. That's exactly what happened there for the 70 of Jay Logan and the 48 of David Staub there at turn 13. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there, was a, there was a lot of drama in that race, wasn't there? Um, uh, but uh, look, it's, it's the pro cars at the front of the field, which is... You know, as it kind of should be, so they will tell you. Um, uh, but uh, Danny Formala, you know, a great win by him. In, in the AM class, uh, hats off there to, to Anthony McIntosh in car number 69. Uh, he comes home in the uh, seventh position overall and with the, the Pro-Am win, and that should move into the championship lead. They started on the pole position with that effort by Glenn McGee, so that will move Anthony McIntosh and Glenn McGee into the championship lead in the AM class. In, in Pro-Am, it's Kion Tandon that came away with a win one year to the, to the weekend after his very, very first car race. 
uh, and which is also in this series, uh, gets the Pro-Am win. And that is uh, the first win for, uh, for Kion. So uh, really good job by the, the youngster there from, so from Southern California. And uh, that will be, that will move him unofficially into the lead in the Pro-Am points as, no, he's running, yeah, in Pro-Am, yeah. So that'll move him into the points. He came into this weekend second, 10 points behind John Capestru, Debetz and Tom Capizzi. They were out pretty early in this race. So that should put Turkey on Tandon into the championship lead in Pro-Am. Well, our thoughts, our sincere thoughts with John Capestro de Betz after his incident there between turns 12 and 13. Race number five of the season in the book. Six is coming up. Always a doubleheader in Lamborghini Super Trofeo. We'll bring it to you. For Jeremy Shaw, I'm Brian Tilt. Don't miss a lap of the Raging Bulls here at the National Park of Speed. It's Road America, Lamborghini Super Trofeo, and we'll bring you more tomorrow. This program is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, check imsaradio.com and subscribe to IMSA Radio wherever you get your podcasts.